everybody, Jimmy Smith. On today's Unlock of the Cage podcast, I talk about working my first Royal Rumble and the return of Ronda Rousey. I also talk to Bellator heavyweight champion Ryan Bader after his win at Bellator 273. And I discuss the retirement of the GOAT, Tom Brady. Royal Rumble was Saturday. My first Royal Rumble. 44,000 390 people at the America's Dome in St. Louis. Look, I, one of the things I did, I was, you know, obviously I work with Corey every every Monday, and we call pay-per-views together. We're sitting there, and, and the way it worked was uh, Roman Reigns versus uh, Seth Rollins was the opening match. I called all the middle stuff. Women's Royal Rumble, uh, Women's Championship match, the Mixed Tag match, and then, was that the last one I called? No, and then Bobby Lashley and, and uh, uh, Brock Lesnar. So, I called kind of the middle chunk. I didn't open and I didn't close. I didn't do the opening fight. I didn't do the the, the men's Royal Rumble, which was the end. Um, we're sitting there, and it it is a a a sea of people. It is unreal how many people I've called fights. Madison Square Garden, Barclays Center, nothing like this, nothing like this, and they're just rabid. They're just crazy. There was an area in the hotel. I was having a discussion with with one of the people behind the scenes who, who does on camera stuff, and there was a roped off section where they kind of like kept fans who wanted autographs from the wrestlers and and whatever. They kind of kept them roped off in the hotel by the special area. They wouldn't know to keep you roped off in a special area if you weren't head to toe in pro wrestling gear. It's so funny. They have like special like fan area. Like, oh, don't go past this. Well, they don't know if you're dressed in regular street clothes, if you are there to get an autograph from a wrestler, if you're there to go to your room because you're you're staying there. The only reason they know is you're holding two WWE belts. Uh, and it was hilarious to see that. But the crowd, gigantic, frenzied, uh, it's it's nuts. It's nuts. And I turned to Corey who is, of course, Kelly's favorite broadcaster. And I said, do you ever get used to this? Is this ever, like, normal that we're in front of 45,000 people? He goes, no. No, it never it, – because it's not every time. Like, you know, Monday Night Raw from Cincinnati, whatever, didn't have that, that number of people. The big pay-per-views at Legion Stadium for SummerSlam. I'm going to two days at WrestleMania. The crowd experience in the WWE is, is like nothing I've ever seen in terms of passion and scale. So that stands out. It was only my – I've done other pay-per-views, but that and SummerSlam are, are big. And that crowd was huge. So, of course, the big deal was Ronda Rousey coming back uh, in the Royal Rumble. They don't tell – when I said last week that I didn't know if she was coming back, I'm not lying to you. They For pay-per-views, I don't know more than the fans know. I don't. I know who's performing. I know what's going on, but I don't know – the outcomes, I don't know who might come out or what surprise. When Cena came out, I had no idea. When Becky Lynch came out, I had no idea. When Brock Lesnar came out, I had no idea. So they like keeping it as secret as possible. In this case, uh, KOB, last week, it was basically just in the air that she might have a comeback. So we did a segment on it. You remember that? Just talking about, yeah, would she come back? Would it be MMA or pro wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, sir. So. I was doing some research on her to get some a couple facts. I figured she might come out. And it said on the bottom of her Wikipedia page, 
She made her return to the Royal Rumble 2022. This is like pre pre the show. I turned around and showed it to somebody. I'm like, I checked this out. And they started laughing. You know, it was kind of like the, the worst kept secret because she had to get ready. And so it was a pretty good idea. She'd come back at Rumble. So I was doing some research, but I didn't know. I wasn't sure. I was never told by anybody that she was coming back. I had to take it on my own initiative. She came back and got a huge pop. A huge pop. You know, the, the crowd went nuts for her. Of course, she wins the Royal Rumble. She goes to WrestleMania. She'll get whatever title shot she wants. It's like she's been forgiven for what she said about pro wrestling and pro wrestling fans before. Now, she said initially, it was during a tweet, she's talking about the ungrateful fans in, in pro wrestling, whatever. Um, there could be some heel heat to that, right? She's just trying to get people to... to you could say dislike her, but what I've realized in the... The, the world of sports entertainment, the world of the WWE, you want people to have strong emotions about you, whether they're positive or negative, whatever they are. You ju- the, 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 the worst thing to have is indifference. If people love you, fine. If they hate you, fine. If they're curious about you, fine. If they don't know how to feel about you, but they at least feel strongly, that's fine. So, um... There's a huge disconnect difference between pro wrestling fans and MMA fans. One thing about pro wrestling fans, or WB fans, because I don't know about all of them, they do tend to cheer celebrity. They just, because you're well-known and, and, and you're, 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 you're part of that group, you're going to get a huge pop. They won't specifically go, hey, you trashed my city the last time you were here. Becky Lynch almost always gets a big pop when she comes out. And even though she comes out and then maybe trashes whatever city we're in, uh, then they start booing. But she has to work for it. She doesn't automatically come out and get what they call heat. She, people don't automatically boo her. They cheer her, and then she does something or says something crappy, and then they boo her. But but there's an automatic reaction of positivity. And then she loses it because it's her job to lose it. Okay, Same thing with Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley a lot of time. You know, fans cheer them at first, and then they have to do something to get heat. Other people come out, it is just wall-to-wall booze. You can't hear anything. Ronda is right now in that honeymoon phase of her coming back. She came back last night on Raw, too, and cut a promo. And she's getting cheered. She's back. How long that honeymoon lasts, in which way it goes, I don't know. She might do enough things to get fans to boo her. And that's not bad. That's great. That's just as good as being cheered, as long as they're not indifferent. MMA fans are a different story. Last night on Raw, she was cutting her promo, and the crowd was silent for a second. I don't know if you guys caught on camera. If you heard it, somebody yelled out, you got knocked out by Amanda Nunes. Loud. Did you guys catch that? Did you watch it? I heard it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Somebody, it was like right to my left. It was loud enough that like, I think it, you know, you, you caught it. And that's MMA fans, is they remember the last thing you did. And pro wrestling fans will kind of give you that pop right now, and then she might do things to get the booze later. MMA fans are just less forgiving. And in MMA, it's about winning and losing. And it isn't in, in sports entertainment. It's not. It's not at all about winning and losing. And she went out on two losses. And she said bad losses and said, F this, I'm out of here. So the, my question for you, 877-FIGHT-93, 877-344-4893. Uh, 
I don't have any inside information. I've heard the same rumors everybody else has. How long her deal is? How long she'll be around? Will this be a one-off? Will it be a couple years? Will it be a long run? Da, 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 whatever. I don't know anything more than you know. One of the things that you're able to say in 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 professional wrestling, in, in sports entertainment, the WWE, however you want to put it, when you... When you come back as a fighter, as an athlete, okay, not as a performer, as an athlete, meaning NFL, combat sports, whatever, we got your prime already. We got the best of you already. GSP came back and beat Michael Bisping. I saw in that fight he wasn't as good as he used to be. He was good enough to beat Michael Bisping. Remember, he was starting to lose when he, when he came back and won that fight. But I saw gaps in his game that I didn't see from a prime GSP. There have been a million comebacks in combat sports. Hardly any of them. In fact, it's hard to really think of any of them right now. Um, where they ascended to the heights, they ascended in their prime. So the nature of sports entertainment, they can come back and look as good. Or they can be propped up be close. Not all the way, but close, right, in a comeback. Then an athlete who has real athletes trying to stop him from what he's or her from doing what she's doing and really want to kick your ass or keep you from getting a touchdown or whatever sport you're getting back into, it's a different world. And we as combat sports fans, aficionados, experts, whatever, on on, on my end of it, we know that, that we're not going to see the best of you. That can be covered up a little bit in sports entertainment. So I... You know, it's it, you're asking a different question about whether or not she'll come back to WWE and whether or not she'll come back to MMA, where no one can protect her. Now you can protect her by giving her an easier fight, but that that really isn't the style usually of the UFC. You come back, you know, you got to get in line with everybody else. You got to do what everybody else does. You might get one softball. Bellator will give you softball. UFC generally doesn't. Look what happened to CM Punk. And Mickey Gall crushed his ass. Now, he didn't get the same treatment Jack Swagger got over in Bellator. Well, they threw him a can, threw him another couple cans. You're making money. You're doing whatever. You're getting asses in seats, eyeballs on our screens. Fine. We'll give you a couple bumps. UFC doesn't typically do that. And even if they do, fans don't respond well to it. Fans don't like it. They see right through it. Trying to get Ronda Rousey some easy fights. Da, 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 da. You know, it, it, it doesn't look. It's not a good look for the UFC. So WWE, of course, is, is because of the nature of it, it's a, it's a performance, can do more to make someone like Ronda Rousey, who's past her, her competitive combat sports prime, look better and look better longer. It just is what it is. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel. Channel 156. I have a very special guest, friend of the show, Bellator heavyweight champion Ryan Bader. Uh, coming off this win against Valentin Moldovsky, 
Did it go the way you thought it would go? Obviously successful by unanimous decision, but was it at the fight you expected, man? Did anything surprise you? Yeah, yeah. His body lock kind of surprised me a little bit. You know, um, my thought process, you know, I knew he was going to be strong, you know, and uh, especially on the cage there. You know, he, he's dominated a lot of these bigger guys at heavyweight right there, you know, right there on the cage with that body lock. And I felt it, you know, I knew he was strong, but I, I felt him getting tired and all that. And, and so I figured, all right, I can be there later in the round. I'll just, you know, I can reverse it. I'll get out or whatnot because he's going to be tired. But he kept, that was a safe space. And he kept that strength throughout the whole fight. I thought in the, the fifth round, there's no way he can hold on to that. Um, but he did, you know, so I thought it was a close fight going to the judges. I felt like I did way, way more damage, but you never know. And so uh, um, I'm glad I got my hand raised, obviously. But, you know, I just felt like I, I did more, did more damage, hurt him throughout the fight. And so walked away with it. Got the right decision. That's the important part, man. When I was um, breaking out for, for my WWE gig, I, I, I was doing interviews about Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar. And people say, well, why is this match so special? I go, guys that look like Brock and look like Bobby usually aren't great athletes. They don't move well. They're not explosive. Yeah. And, and, and those guys have that ability. And I brought up something. I go, you don't understand grappler strength is a different thing than, like, weightlifting strength. They're, they're, they're different things. Like, Ben Askren is not a strong dude. He can't put up a lot of weight. But when he gets a hold of you, it's yeah. a totally different ball game. Talk about that. How you, and you said his clinch kind of surprised you. Grappler strength is something different. And you've got grappler strength. But you know when you feel it, right? A hundred percent. You know, he's a, I think a two-time world Sambo champion, all that. He's been doing that his whole life, you know, and uh, um, as have I, you know, um, I, I wasn't a, a huge, you know, Greco guy. You know, I, I had my different setups and shots. So I, I didn't spend a lot of time in the clincher and wrestling a lot. You know, we worked a ton off the cage this fight. Um, that, that was one thing that I was surprised about. I've never been picked up like that. and I've never been, uh, you know, controlled like that in any one of my, you know, 38 fights ever. And so I just figured he was going to, you know, start gassing out and that was going to go away. You know, if I had to do it all over again, you know, I would have picked my spots and, and spent the energy to get out, not banking that he would, uh, that lock would kind of loosen up later in the round and I would kind of take control. So um, I was just trying to, when I knew I really couldn't get out of that, I was just trying to damage him with elbows, you know, and, uh, you know, hurt him and, and make him not want to be there. Uh, speaking, of course, for Ryan Bader, Bellator heavyweight champion, successful in his defense over Valentin Moldovsky. Is it? It's one of those things, man. We're, we're calling so many fights with guys from Russia and guys from Eastern Europe, and having sparred those guys before in my career, you can hurt them real good and not know. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, you, yeah. know, uh, I, you know, uh, Alexander Shemenko, former middleweight champ. I remember him taking a shot. I forget against who. And... And my, my play-by-play guy, I think it was Sean Grangeheim, going, oh, man, that's surprising that shot didn't hurt him. I go, no, it did. You just don't know because of that, you know, Fedor, that, 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 that iron face. What is it like seeing that, man? Were you like, man, I thought I got a good one. And they, they, they no-sell the whole thing. Yeah, man, it, you know, that's Russians in general. They even, you know, yes. they, they show no, no emotions, you know. And, and uh, um, he's a good guy. You know, I talked to him and this and that. And, um um, but like fight week all throughout, there's, there's, there's still up, no emotions whatsoever, you know, and, and at the very beginning, you know, we plan on going out there and, and using my footwork, um, trying to be the faster guy, especially a heavyweight, you know, throwing my jab and just moving and, and not fighting him in a, you know, I go, you go kind of heavyweight, mm. you know, fight that he's been, been in a lot of, a ton of times. And, um, 
then I watched this kind of open workout and I was even in the back in the locker room, you know, when they have this split screen, they're going and showing him warming up. He kept doing this blitz, you know, like a three punch blitz, right. You know, right at you. And I thought, you know what, the beginning of this fight, if he does that blitz, I'm going to put my head to the side and throw a a hard overhand, right. And um, sure enough, he started that blitz. And that's when I hit him in the very beginning and doing that over again, I would have tried to disengage, you know, I went for a needle of body, but I should have went to the head and kind of kept my distance and, and stood there and struck with him and tried to put him out right then and there. But he got that clinch when I need him to the body, you know, but I could tell he was hurt. He was hurt bad. And especially with that follow-up right hand, but then he recovered, you know, super quick. And then, um, you know, my strikes throughout the fight, you know, he wasn't showing anything, but I can hear that they were hurting him in the takedown in the, I think the fourth round too, he kind of hit his head and he was kind of moaning a little bit. Um, but man, that's a tough dude. Let's go from the past to the future. The past being last Saturday, Valentin Moldovsky. The future apparently being Bellator uh, making its return to Paris Friday, May 6th, with your heavyweight world championship bout, a rematch against Czech Congo. All right, how do I? I'm trying to think of the right way to put this. Czech Congo is an interesting dude, right? He's just yeah. he's a strange guy. And and what are your thoughts on him as a person and as an opponent? Because I know there are different things. The last time there was an eye poke, um, but stuff like that seems to happen with with Czech. I, I, explain it to me, man. What do you think of him as yeah, a person man, and I, as an opponent? I don't like yeah. to shit on anybody. I never yes. have throughout my career. I've never had animosity, whatever. Um, but I I do think he's just an odd odd duck you know the first time I ever I, I was signed to Bellator it was like my second fight you know and it's a uh, fight week and we're going just to, to the locker room at the hotel and, and you know warming up and, and and training a little bit and I walked in and he was in there you know going by himself and there you know there's a break and he was sitting over there I walked up never met him before introduced myself then he just blew me off really he didn't even say hi nothing so I was like oh okay cool and then after that whole like eye poke thing you know, um, when I'm in the fight, I'm like, dude, I don't think I poked him in the eye, you know, telling everybody. And, um, you know, then, the, you know, they sent me the video, you know, from the track or whatever, from Bellator. And, you know, I poked him in the nose and he immediately winces and grabs his eye and took that time out. And then, you know, said he couldn't see and the fight was done. No contest, you know. And then obviously, like, Rampage came in, tried to fight me in the in the cage and all that. And, and um, he was talking, you know. Um, Congo was talking shit this whole time and said that he had me right where he wanted me. You know, when I was on top of him, punching him, I was going to get tired and he's going to take control. I don't get to do, you know, I don't get him at all. And then, uh, you know, when we face off again, you know, oh, and he pushed me out weigh-ins, you know, I'm standing yep. flat-footed. He, he made my teeth click and everything, you know, and it just little shit like that, man. I'm just like, you know, have some respect a little bit, you know, we're both going in there. We're going to fight at the end of the day, but um, he's just one guy I just don't like, you know, and I always want to get that fight back just to prove, all right, that fight was going exactly how it was going to go. And, and, you know, you were going to get finished there pretty soon there, you know, and, and you took the way out, you took the eye poke and, and that was your way out. It was, and, and I can say it now, cause I'm not a commentator anymore. Uh, his fights were the absolute worst to call. And like every yeah. single time I'd see him and go, and not that he wouldn't win. It was like. Oh my God! When he fought Augusto Sakai in 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 London, I remember that one. Augusto's guy, a real mobile heavyweight, a guy who can do a lot of things. And Czech Congo just walked forward, threw a few strikes, took him down, held him, 
wash, rinse, repeat for 15 minutes, and the crowd is booing, and they're just, and it's like he, you know, as you as you point out, he's kind of an odd dude. He doesn't seem to notice or care. I mean, not that he should, but it's almost like, Jesus, could you do one thing? And then, yeah. and then when when he fought, um, uh, I'm sure, uh, uh, uh Minikov, I think, he held his shorts. For half the fight, and and like I kept yeah. saying, referees. Not, he kept grabbing the glove, and like every time the ref couldn't see him, he was grabbing something. And it's yeah. like, oh, it's it's the worst, man. It's it's He's really that, tough. That kind of, dude. That kind of stuff's yeah. going into a fight like that too, you know. And it's like, you know, um, obviously you can talk to the ref before, like, hey, you know, watch his shenanigans as far as you know, faking stuff and all that stuff that you're talking about. You know, it seems like every fight, it's just something odd is happening. Yeah. You know? and so, yeah, I just want to go in there and just make a statement, get him out of there, and uh, make it definitive. You know, not have any controversy, you know, because I feel like sometimes Bellator has that curse, too, you know? Yes. There'd be like, something will happen, you know, a headbutt or uh, eye poke or something, and a main event is gone, you know, and, and just like that. And that's not a good look on, on, on the sport, you know? But but it's weird. I'm speaking, of course, to Ryan Bader, uh, Bellator heavyweight champion. Check Congo. Every time he's been kind of written off in his career, he's come back and gone on a streak yeah. that, that's really impressed people. And the guy is 46 years old. Doesn't look like he's aged at all. Still hits yeah. with a lot of power. Right. Defeated Sergey Karatanov last time in Bellator, but but defeated Vitaly Minikov in the rematch. Timothy Johnson, Javi Ayala, Gusto Sakai. He just he has this tendency to kind of like. You look past him and dismiss him, and he does something to get back on track. Is it mentally kind of hard to do that? Cause, like you said, you want to go at him. You want to be defended, but you got to respect what he can do, right? Oh, 100%. You respect yeah. everybody that goes in there. You know, like, look at him. You know, he's a physical specimen. He's huge, yeah. jacked. Um, but even even his last fight, you know, it, it was looked like he was getting beat up and didn't even want to be in there the first couple of rounds at all, and then he just, like, pulls out a victory out of nowhere, you know? It's it's so odd, you know. He's an odd guy, and his fights are odd. Um, but yeah, you want to go in there and and um, you know approaching that fight, you want to go in there and, and do your job and get him out of there where there's no controversy, nothing of the sort, you know. Because if there is a little, I feel like if there is a little way for him to gain the system a little bit, he's going to try it. Uh, is there any pressure, as you said, to to? set the pace and make sure the pace is something because what he's so good at as a heavyweight, he's so good at slowing the fight down, which, which is obviously kills the crowd and lots of it. He's so good at yeah. making his opponents fight like they're in mud. Like he slows down the fight so much to where it's comfortable for him at 46. He can keep that pace. Is there any thought of, of making sure it's your pace in the fight? Oh, hundred percent. You know, the, the fights I've lost, you know, besides, you know, like my last or, you know, the last one at light heavyweight, you know, we got hit, you know, behind the ear and all that. And it wasn't even time. The fight that I fought at my, the fights that I fought at my pace, I go out there and I go out there and win, you know, and even on our first fight, I put that pace on him right away. And I could tell his eyes were just like, what is this? You know, I haven't been in a fight like this in a long time, you know? So, um, yeah, I fought my best when I'm at that pace, not giving him a second, you know, and, and having him on his heels the whole time. I definitely think that's, you know, um, the right game plan for sure, especially with a guy like him. What about fighting in Paris where 
MMA was illegal for years and years and years. Just recently got got legalized in the last couple of years. Uh, what's your thought on taking him on in Paris? Obviously, as it opens up MMA, Cyril Gan, Francis Ngannou, both uh, spent time in Paris. What are your thoughts on going there for this 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 title fight, man? For this defense? Yeah, I'm excited about it. I fought at home the last couple of times, you know. But I, I made my career fighting overseas, you know, in the UFC. I was jumping all over Germany, Japan, Australia twice, all that. Um, you know, and I've done, I have a loss overseas, you know, um, and it kind of puts me back into, you know, like a, a wrestling traveling every weekend, you know, the competition mode, you know, where, you know, fighting at home is awesome, but you're, it's kind of a different mode, you know? Um, uh, so I'm excited and, you know, obviously I, I do like fighting in the hometown crowd, everybody, you know, is cheering for you. But at the same time, I like fighting in places, you know, I fought rampage in Japan where he's loved, you know, and everybody is rooting for you to, to lose and you could go out there and, and prove them wrong and um, fighting in front of new crowds. You know, that my, my favorite, one of my favorite fights was fighting Keith Jardine the first time ever in Australia when they had the first UFC and, and getting a knockout and, and everybody's going crazy and stuff like that. And, and just to, you know, kind of, you know, go out there and show what you could do in a, in a place that people really don't have a lot of MMA, you know, MMA big shows, fights, all that kind of stuff, and, and um, um, upset their their guy. Uh, I remember, speaking, of course, to, to Ryan Bader, Bellator heavyweight champion. I remember Eric Guerrero, who was, who was a California wrestler, and he won three national titles at, at Oklahoma State, and, and he talked about wrestling at Iowa. There's this thing, and he goes, I love it. He goes, I love them booing. I love, he goes, that they might as well be cheering me because I, it's just as long as they have energy, that's energy for me, man. They're screaming at me to lose. Great. It's just more energy for me. As a competitor, is that hard to explain to people? Like, hey, energy's oh, energy. Yeah. Screaming it, great. You know, tell me I'm going to die. Yeah. Great. You know, is that hard to yeah, explain to, to non-competitors? You know, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Brazil. There's a chat and you're going to die. You're going to die. You know, and you go out and you get to, you get to shut everybody up, you know, but in, as a competitor too, at the same time, you always uh, hope to, to win them over also, you know, and, and that, that right there is the best part. You know, if you, you win that crowd over, you know, at the end and they have respect for you, you know, that, that's a, a great feeling going out there, getting your hand raised and, and getting a bunch of new fans in a place that you would never think you'd be fighting, you know? Getting that Rocky Four moment, man. I hope it happens for you in Paris against Czech Congo. Thank you so much for giving us your time. Ryan Bader, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, guys. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. I have to look this up right now. Longest quarterback career in NFL. I just want to know what it is. Probably some backup that I've never heard of. Longest quarterback career. Uh, George Blanda has played the most career seasons, 26. And I know George Blanda. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty crazy. 26 is the record. Right now, it's Brady ahead of him. Anderson, yeah, George Blanda, Morton Anderson. I'm her Adam Vinatieri. I know, yeah, I remember Adam Vinatieri. None of these are obviously as great as Tom Brady, but I guess George Blanda, 
Longest career. Anyway, so I, I always get mad when anyone throws like kickers into anything. Like, oh, it's yeah, yeah. Career. It's like, dude, they, they got on the field like four times a game tops. Like, <laughs> like four to six times. And it's like, illegal was... to touch them. Yeah, you can't. You it's, can't even hit them. It's illegal to look at them or else it's a penalty. That's right. Yeah. So anyway, um, that's that's the 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 that's incredible. Twenty two years in the NFL. That's absolutely insane. Um, but yeah, that'd be like the best job ever is, is kicker because you're like, hey, I walk out there like, oh, and then except when you miss, and then everybody hates you. So the funny thing is, uh, and and uh, Kelly, I love that you pointed this out. So in his initial retirement statement, let's see if I can find it here. Uh, um, is this the yeah okay? I have always believed the sport of football is an all-in proposition. If a 100% competitive commitment isn't there, you won't succeed. Success is what I love so much about our game. There is a physical, mental, and emotional challenge every single day that has allowed me to maximize my highest potential, and I have tried my very best these past 22 years. There are no shortcuts to success on the field or in life. Thanks for the lecture, Tom. This is difficult for me to write, but here it goes. I'm not going to make that competitive commitment anymore. I have loved my NFL career, and now it's time to focus my time and energy on other things that require my attention. So I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's, it's kind of long. But the following paragraphs start in the following way. To my teammates, this past two years, I love you guys. To all the Bucks fans, thank you. I don't know what to expect when I arrived here, but you have been great. The city of Tampa, the entire Tampa-St. Petersburg region. To the Glazer family. You're amazing. He doesn't mention the Patriots one effing time. That was unreal, is it not, Kelly Kell? Not one. And all those years, the Patriots fans stuck by me. F you, Patriots fans. Right? I literally kept scrolling through the slides of his note, and I was like, all right, he's going to get to the Patriots. At some point, okay. yes. At least he'll mention Bill Belichick. No, nothing. And the photo that he used in the beginning, too, was when the Buccaneers beat the Patriots in Gillette Stadium. Somebody pointed out, too. So there was, like, that on top of not mentioning them at all. Yeah. Yeah. I love all these oh, yeah, Tom Brady, we love you. He didn't love you back, apparently. Apparently. There's no love back at all. I understand maybe things didn't work out with him in ownership or him in – like, one of the things I don't get that I just have trouble understanding how can you be mad at someone? Bill Belichick, the Patriots organization, whatever. You won six rings and made hundreds of millions of dollars with these people. Are you really that mad at them? Is there any circumstance under which you could work with somebody and that kind of success and go and snub them that badly in your retirement? Is uh, like. KOB, you're my, laughing right now. What's the deal? Because my conspiracy theory is he's like, I already got New England and the New England fans. I'm going to try to get the other people who hate me. Like, I'm just going to snub the Patriots on my way out the door. <laughs> That's what my, my tinfoil hat theory is. He's like, how can I get everyone else to like me on the way out? You know what? I'm not even going to mention the Patriots in my retirement speech. I'm just going to go all bucks the entire way. <sighs> That's ridiculous. Come on. But, like, someone who So would people do go, that, oh, like, look at that. Brady snubbed the Patriots. You know what? I was wrong about Brady. Brady's hilarious. Like, I'm, I'm a Tom Brady guy now. I mean, I, I mean, that's the goal. That's the goal here. All right. All right. Here's the deal that you cannot get around no matter how you feel about it. This is, these are the numbers, okay? 
Number of times Tom Brady finished a season with a losing record as a starter, zero. Number one, number of games he played during his rookie season in 2000 as a backup to Drew Bledsoe, one. Number of MVPs he won over the course of his NFL career and the number of first-team All-Pros he made, three. Number of times he led the league in passing yards, including the 2021 season when he posted a career-high 5,316 yards. It was also the number of games he set out for his Deflategate suspension, four. Number of Super Bowls MVPs, uh, MVPs he won and the number of times he led the league in passing touchdowns, five. Number of Super Bowl titles, seven. Number of years Brady and Rob Gronkowski played together between the Patriots and the Bucks, 11 years. The number of Pro Bowls he was selected to, 15. Number of division titles as a starting quarterback, 18. Number of seasons in the NFL, 22. Age he was when he started his career, 23. The deficit he faced in the Super Bowl when he pulled off the dramatic comeback to beat the Falcons, 25 points. 35 playoff wins. No one's ever going to beat that. Ever. Ever. 243 wins as a starting quarterback. Touchdowns during his career, 624. Passing yards. 84,520 all time for touchdowns and passing yards. No one, he is the greatest of all time. Those are coming from Fox Sports. That's where this list is up. He is the, 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 the all time greatest quarterback ever. I don't think it'll ever, it'll never be close. As a hardcore Steelers fan, I can say it. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. Period. End of sentence. Why am I glad he isn't around anymore? Is that a personal thing? Like, oh, I hate Tom Brady. It's when the league, when he came into the league, you got to remember, I'm coming from, as a football fan, 80s and 90s. If, if Kelly, I know you're not old enough, KOB, you remember a little bit of this. There wasn't a lot of parody in the league. There were haves and have-nots in the league. KLB, do you remember this? Cowboys, 49ers, Broncos. Like, there were haves and have-nots. The same teams went to the Super Bowl every year. The Super Bowl was almost always a blowout. Close Super Bowls were very, very rare when I was a kid. It was the San Francisco 49ers and a few other teams in the 80s that kind of got in. It was the Cowboys in the 90s and the Niners. And once again, the Broncos uh, at the end of the decade. Parity was very rare. There were good teams and bad teams, and that was it. Starting in the 2000s, we started getting parity started coming back to the NFL. The only time or only thing about which there was not parity was Tom Brady and the effing New England Patriots. In an era of great quarterbacks, we saw great games, obviously, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Peyton Manning, uh, Drew Brees, we have so many great quarterbacks in that era, but all of them were at best second to Tom Brady. So it took a league that was just starting to have parity and we're starting to wonder who's going to win every year. And Tom Brady and the Patriots established the greatest dynasty in sports history. 
And I, by the end of his run with the Patriots, and yeah, KOB, you have a point where he got less unlikable when he went to the Bucks. But I remember not watching Rams-Patriots. I knew the Patriots were going to win, and I could not watch that guy lift another goddamn Lombardi trophy. It just be I got Patriots fatigue. And remember that that Super Bowl did terribly. Not terribly. I mean, the Super Bowl never does terribly. But as far as numbers, it was a huge drop. And a lot of people attributed that to Patriots fatigue. Like, I'd almost his one damn team win over and over again. And I didn't feel that way about, like, the Jordan Bulls necessarily because Jordan was so visibly impressive, just so athletically impressive in a way that Tom Brady wasn't. Um but that's the reason I'm glad to see him go. Because it was the one thing every year was the Patriots are going to win. And can somebody stop them? Was the, the, the storyline for effing 20 years. And I personally got sick of it. And I'm glad to see it go. KOB, do you understand what I'm saying? I understand what you're saying. But as yes. a diehard Steelers fan, I have to ask you, how do you feel about Tom Brady upstaging the Steelers again and just his retirement being more important than Ben Roethlisberger's? <laughs> Whenever I'm, – I'm more glad he's gone than I'm glad that I'm like, oh, if he had gone one more year, it wouldn't have – like, I, I don't care. I don't oh, care Oh, Ben, you were yeah. looking at retirement? Just so you know, I'm retiring too, so no, no one cares about your retirement. <laughs> what about Aaron Rodgers? What if he retires? That'd be Which crazy. he might. If we lose all Wouldn't three. it be, though? Like, imagine losing all three of those guys. Boom, boom, we, boom. We know it's you funny. Know? Brady and Roethlisberger, it's like, we all get. They put they put their like a lot of time yes. in. Rodgers yeah. is still playing it out, and then it's still kind of young. Like, it would be pretty crazy if he just dropped out. But well, that's the 38, only thing about Tom, right? That's the only thing about Tom Brady for me is that when he went to the Bucks, again, he became a little bit little less hateable in that uniform. I did enjoy watching Drunk Tom Brady for once at the, at, at the, at the, at the parade. And also, like, the NFC kind of needed some quarterbacks in, in there. Like, it just it's kind of like – it's a little bit of a wasteland outside of Rodgers and, and, like, a handful of other guys. So it was kind of nice to have a little bit more, you know, a little bit more parody. play. In, 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 yeah, parity in the NFC. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. Brady can pounce. Appreciate it, Tom. Yes. We beat, Giants beat you twice. Stopped an undefeated team from happening, so I'm cool. Right. <laughs> you're the greatest of all time. No one can deny that, but I'm glad you're gone. Kel, you're weird. You're a Jets fan who loves Tom Brady, which I I don't know. I just question your loyalties. So how do you feel about Tom retiring? I'm honestly devastated. I cried when the news broke. I'm not you kidding. You did I, not. You did okay, not I did. cry. I did. I literally will show you my phone from the second Adam Schefter broke the news. I texted my you friend and I said, I'm crying. crying. No, you I was on my bike. So um, you were puking when you said, I'm puking during the – <laughs> the the, the uh, Bengals. Why can't you ever just take what I say at face value? Like I'm I was very upset about it, okay, and I right. teared up. Like okay, Kelly's so, a bit of a crier, Jimmy. I, she's I, a crier? I am. All right, she's a crier. Okay. So, I don't know. I I'm not ready to watch football without Tom Brady. Like just watching the greatness every single year and him do the unfathomable. Like even to in his last game to bring his team back and tie that game, even though they didn't win. It was just. Tom Brady-esque like you knew that the Bucks weren't out of it because he was on the field um so I'm sad to see him go like with all these quarterbacks I mean I'm not I don't really like Big Ben at all so I didn't care but like when Rodgers retires I'll be the same way when Drew Brees retired I felt so the same everybody way. but my quarterback he's not a good person so yeah everybody but my I'm just just pointing out yeah. every you're like yeah Drew Brees Aaron Rodgers Tom Brady Eli Manning Everybody, Peyton Man. Everybody. Oh no, I don't like Eli either. But like, 
Well, like Drew Brees was very upsetting for me. Tom Brady. So our quarterbacks, me and KOB and I, our quarterbacks, everybody else you love. Well, Ben Roethlisberger isn't a likable person, like off the field, not not a good person. But Eli Manning is. I just don't like him because I hate the Giants so much. But ah, everyone likes okay. Eli. That's yeah. That's 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 more Jets Giants rivalry. Yeah, yeah. everybody <laughs> loves Eli. Like really. The man is I a national don't. treasure. Okay. All right. Good to know. But he's gone. Congratulations. Hats off to him. You are the greatest of all time. Spend that $300 million on something fun. Go ahead. Question Kevin. for you, Jimmy, because I'm, I'm yes. curious about how you feel. I, when this all happened, I was about as much of a Tom Brady hater, but I, I thought these were kind of nothingness stories for the most part. How did you feel about the whole, number one, Deflategate, and a little bit a little bit worse than that, Spygate, as far as his uh, legacy goes? I, I thought it was effed up. I did. If those were his only Super Bowls, it would affect – he was he was so good. Yeah. It's, it's hard to – yeah, yeah. It's like – yeah, he did cheat. He did. But I don't think he cheated his way to seven rings. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> if, I, see, if that I had... see people throwing that out there. Like, like, just don't forget, like, the guy's a cheater, the guy's a cheater. I'm like, Spygate was kind of bad because, yeah, you, you checked out plays. But, I mean, that was more Belichick than Brady. Right. But, yeah, yeah. Also, yeah, I blame Belichick more than Brady. Deflategate, Jimmy. Like, were you the same as me? Like, I thought that was the biggest nothingness story ever. I'm like, oh, my God, the balls were a little less air in them. Like, do we really care? Like, are we really snooping to that level? Which and that's that's why how he burned us for 400 <laughs> yards. Yeah. yeah. I didn't see it as a secret to his success, right? This wasn't, this wasn't Margarito who, once they found his loaded wraps, he couldn't break a potato chip with a punch, right? You know what I mean? Like, like this is a guy that had so much success before and after. Even if he cheated his way through the, okay, fine. If the Astros won seven world series i go okay they cheated against the the giant uh the, the dodgers which they did um but uh, pfft, they're still a great team astros pfft, i hate you you suck you cheated your way through the, the world series and you haven't won one since it's a similar thing tom brady had so much success that no cheating story i think can over it's part of his legacy for sure but it doesn't overshadow it fair or not kelly and kelby I would say fair. I thought the flight yeah. gate was the dumbest was the dumbest scandal ever. Of like, I Agreed. really don't think this affected the game that much. Like, I think he just beat you out, right? It's what really the Spygate thing. Like that mm-hmm. sucked, but he also well, won yeah, six Spygate, other ones. Spygate to me was a little bit more legit. If you were filming a team's practice, yeah. that's a little yeah. That, that's that's pretty much cheating. Like you have a better yes. idea. I'm like the flight gate. I'm like we are just trying to just stick it to Tom Brady here. Like. I guarantee if you ask the players on the, on the opposing team, they were like, man, no big deal, man. Yeah, dude, he burned <laughs> us like, what do you want? I, th- I think Tom just beat us, but we'll take it for now. This, this <laughs> ball's more squishy. Something's going on yeah. here. Right? Yeah, like, come on now. Stupid. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM's Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM Podcasts.